You see, folks, ever since I came back to Tank or Anchor, the only reason why is because I'm really good at doing it. But if you want to create your own podcast with absolutely free, with no wires attached, no strings attached, let me. It's a, and it's the answer is Anchor from Spotify. Let me say this: Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast without all the hassles. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me break it down for you. Create with creation tools, tools, tools. They will allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. With Anchor's intuitive episode builder, you can visualize, edit, and arrange your segments without an instruction manual. Record remotely with up to four people, no matter where they are in the world. And with Anchor's built-in audio library, you can also add background tracks, transitions, and sound effects to your show. And of course, they're going to distribute to your po- your podcast. Let Anchor do that for you. It can be heard on most of the po- popular listening platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And looking, and if you want to look for make look to make money from your podcast, you can with no minimum listenership required. With Anchor sponsorships, you can earn money every time people listen. Listen, no matter the size of your audience, you can also collect easily collect monthly donations from your fans right from your Anchor profile. And of course, they're still not a percent free. Hey. With no monthly fees, no trial period, no strings attached, no subscription necessary. That's why I get all my stuff done with Anchor. Because I listen to the, uh, that's why I do this podcast for years. I guess for, and now, you can too. This is the uh, nick of it as the excellence in podcasting. Want to get, want to get Anchor? Download the free Anchor app on the Google Play Store or App Store. Or go to anchor.fm to get started on your journey to, into podcasting. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. To get, and you can get started on your show. No. Without any strings attached. No wonder Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And now, on to our feature presentation. From our studios here in the Great South Bay in Long Island, New York, this is the Home Turf Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Matthew Outlay. Broadcasting from Long Island, right here on the Great near the Great South Bay. You're listening to the Home Turf Sports Podcast. I'm Matthew Wally, I'm your host. Here we are. The weekend is here, October 21st, 2022. Glad to be with you this morning. And of course, little more, little more, little more part of it. I can't imagine waking up. They're seeing the the Yankees lose to the Astros 3-2. At least it was closest. Uh, Mike Mike Axis, uh. My access uh, from CBS Sports writes the following. It was an analysis. I mean, at least it's a whole lot better. It says the Houston Astros are two wins away from their fourth American League pennant in the last six years. Thursday night, the Astros hung on to beat the New York Yankees 
in game two of the ALCS. Three to two. There was a three to two. It was like one run this time. Alex, Alex Bregman provided the game-winning swing. And for the second straight night, the Yankees struggled simply to make contact in important at-bats. Historically, teams that take a two-series lead in a best-of-seven series have gone on to win the series 84% of the time. The series is far from over, but the Astros are sitting pretty. They have five opportunities to win two games. The last team to erase a 2-0 series deficit was the Dodgers over the Braves in the 2020 NLCS. The Yankees last did it against the Braves in the 1996 World Series. There's a little four things that carried weight here. Let me say this. Uh, even Despite the cheating in 2017, this Astros team has a lot to prove. For the for the second time, for only the second time in 2022, the Minute Park roof was open Thursday night. Over the last three years, the home run rate to left field has been about 13% percentage points higher with the roof open than with the roof closed. And that little extra boost may have give may have helped Alex Breckman and the Astros take a three zero lead in game two. Bottom of the third, Bregman beat Luis Severino to his butt and parked an inside fastball into the Crawford boxes for a three-run home run. At 91.8 miles per hour, it was the fifth weakest hit postseason home run of the StatCast era since 2015. And similar batter balls go for a hit only 4% of the time. But it landed in the seats. And that's all that matters. Suddenly it was 3-0 Astros. That was Breckman's 14th career postseason home run, breaking a tie with Justin Turner for the most ever by a third baseman. Only 15 players have hit more postseason homers, period. Obviously, that's a function of the area. There, there are more postseason games now than ever before, but you still have to go out and hit those singers. It ain't easy. I gotta say this. That they they stood top seed in the in American League, they don't play around. Also, they a little given New York's offensive struggles, it felt like the Astros would cruise to game to a game two win after Breckman's homer. Instead, the Yankees answered back in the next half inning. The inning changer, Framber Valdez making two errors on one play, muffing a comebacker, then throwing the ball away from his seat, up seat of his pants. That put. Runners on second and third with no outs. I mean, Frambles, he Framble, he fumbles, Framber fumbles, throws it uh, from his end, uh, throws the ball away from his rear end, and he botched it. Jinky's got the two runs in, which is important, though it wasn't sexy. Anthony Rizzo pulled a two strike grounder. The first base to score the first one and advance the runner to third. Then Glaber Torres beat out a two-strike infield single to score the second one. Only 11 pitches after Bregman made it 3-0, the Yankees cut it to 3-2. Going into game two, the Yankees had scored 18 of their 22 postseason runs on home runs, or 82%. The Astros had a similar rate going into game two, 13-17. to 
were 76%. In that fourth inning, that fourth inning alone, alone, no, they'll good name that fourth inning though. Good attack reigned supreme. Good two strike hitting and a good 0 2 counts hitting by Rizzo and Torres to put the ball into play and get those important ones home. And after the Torres infield single to score New York's second one, Valdez retired 11 of, 11 of the last 12 batters he faced, including seven via strikeout. Justin Verlander retired the final 11 batters he faced in Game 1, including 9 on strikeouts. Both Astros starters labored a bit early on, but then found it in the middle innings and rolled to the finish. Of course, overall, Valdez struck out 9 in 7 innings, and his 25 swings and misses are a new career high, regular season or postseason. He's got 16 swings and misses on, the cur on his curveball alone, the most on a curveball in a postseason game since pitch tracking first became available in 2008. The sinker-curveball combination was truly dominant. And of course, the Astros rolled out righty Brian Abreu against the top of the lineup in the eighth inning, and he very gave up the lead. Likely, a American League MVP Aaron Judge shot a line drive to right field that Kyle Tucker caught at the top of the wall. We play showed it was not going to be a home run, but it was damn close. I mean, he almost, he kept it in the park. Because Sports Info Solutions notes Tucker led MLB with three home run robberies during the regular season. Again, that wasn't going to be a homer, but it was close enough that Tucker's home run robbery skills came into play. Also, StatCast says Judge's Rocket would have been a home run in only one ballpark. Yankee Stadium's short right field porch. They're going back there this weekend. Abreu recovered to escape the eighth inning, and Ryan Presley closed it out in the ninth. The Yankees had only three base runners following Torres' infield single to score their second one in the fourth inning. They struck out 13 times in game two after striking out 17 times in game one. And we know <laughs> this is funny story. You surprised now? Jose out with another 0-4 game, 0-4 in game 2, 0-4 in game 2. Jose Altuve is now 0-23 for 23 this postseason. It is his longest hitless streak of 2022 and the longest hitless streak to begin a postseason in history. The previous record was held by Dow Maxwell who went, up, who went hitless in 22 at-bats in the 1968 World Series with the Cardinals. Hard to believe a hitter this good can be this bad in the postseason. To be fair, the Yankees turned a gorgeous double play to rob Altuve of a hit in the seventh inning. I'll tell you that. Sport, this sport is cruel. When you're stuck in your longest hitless streak of the year, that happens to you. The Astros will play at least four more games this postseason. I can't imagine Altuve will go hitless in all four of them. Of course, Friday, we're going, everybody's going to take the flight back to New York. And the ALCS is playing right at Yankee Stadium. Garrett Cole will get the start. And of course, Dusty Baker is undecided about Garrett's game threes. 
Whitey's Lance McCullers Jr. and Christian Javier are the leading candidates. I gotta say, this is all the makings of an instant more so for the match for the Yankees. I, I can't imagine seeing this team fail. This is a mock, and I felt mockable. Meanwhile, and in, in also in New York sports, two New York teams come off Manning losses. They come off of Manning losses. One in the area with a win. The Sharks beat the Rangers in OT. 3-2. The Sharks are like, are like the first win of the season. The Yankees, the, the Rangers are 3-1-1. One, and, one. and let me say this. And you know what? That really, really going to hurt the Rangers a bit more. Take a look at the three, the three stars of that game. Well, Logan Couture had one goal, one goal for him. Philip Cheeto, title is second. It's the second star with a goal, and then Eric Carlson, one goal, one assist, two point night for him. And the Sharks have that one win, just one win. Meanwhile, the New Jersey Devils are really, really mopped the floor with my beloved New York Islanders. 4-1. Must be Lindy Ruff. Mmm. Of course, all Devils sweep the three stars. Jack Hughes with a goal. He's the third one. Second star. The, he got the bronze. Silver. Jesper Bratt. Two assists. And then the two goals. Andre Palat. On oh, for that name still haunts the Isles fans for years. Other than the fisherman uniform, which I'll talk later, which I'll talk later, talk about later. But then there's the real story coming out of Jets camp. I know Jets fans are not going to be happy with me talking about it, talk about them, but this is news right here. It just says one of the most, it says Elijah Moore wants out for the New York for the New York Jets. Four and two to start the four and two to start the season, and your wide receiver wants out. Makes you wonder why, don't it? His with of course, Cody Benjamin of CBS Sports says it didn't take long for Elijah Moore to sour on the Jets, so vice versa. One year after New York drafted the wide receiver 34th overall, and the team started started four and two, its best opening since 2015, while largely keeping Moore in the background of a run-heavy offense. And now, days after he failed to get a single target against the Packers, the wideout has requested a trade. According to NFL media, the 22-year-old pass catcher was excused from practice Thursday with Jets coach Robert Sala citing a family issue. But it turns out Moore's absence stemmed from an ongoing frustration over his on-field role. After logging 43 catches for 538 yards and 5 touchdowns as a rookie, the Ole Miss project product has been the team's number five pass receiving option, receiving option in terms of total targets through six weeks, behind even behind even running back Brees Hall and Thailand Tyler Conklin. 
Of course, man, that's awful. That is really, really awful. Man, if you're a Jets fan, I got Jets fans in the family. This is going to be ugly. Moore publicly hinted at his displeasure following the Jets' 27-10 win over Green Bay, in which he caught zero passes, tweeted, If I say what I really want to say, I'll be the selfish guy. We winning. Grateful. Huge blessing. All I ever wanted. Bittersweet for me, but I'll be solid, so I'll just stay quiet. Just know I, won't, I don't understand either. He tweeted more cryptic messages of head of practice Thursday, left by teammates, teammates, and then got any direction before tweeting the second post. Salah, offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur, and quarterback Zach Wilson acknowledges Moore's, acknowledged Moore's feelings after Sunday's game, attributing his smaller role to various circumstances, including more focus on the ground game. In the wake of this trade request, the Jets have no plans to deal with the receiver, according to CBS Sports NFL insider Jonathan Jones. But intentions can change quickly in the NFL, especially in regards to players' trade availability. This isn't the first time the Jets wideout has requested a relocation this year. Moore's teammate, 2020 second rounder Denzel Mims, asked for a trade in the preseason and has not been active since. Ironically, he could make he could be in line to make his 2022 de debut if New York deactivates Moore as a form of discipline for his behavior this week. I mean, this is tough. This is a shock here. But, but then again, this came out, of, and right now, this just came out the blue right now. According to ESPN, the, the, the Carolina Panthers are trading Christian McCaffrey. Where, you might ask? To San Francisco 49ers. ESPN reports that the Carolina Panthers are trading star running back Christian McCaffrey to the San Francisco 49ers in exchange for draft picks. And I'm like, wow. This is, this is game-changing in terms of the move being made. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, big star with the with the Panthers, but Adam Schefter on Twitter says, "Are you kidding me? It's a stunner." Panthers are trading Pro Bowl running back Christian McCaffrey to the San Francisco 49ers in exchange for draft picks. McCaffrey returned to the Bay Area where he attended Stanford. Ludden Twitter uses as, are you kidding me? Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers? Well, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan aren't giving up on the season. I didn't even know San Francisco had enough draft picks. Not often you get a trade, get a big trade in the NFL. This is one of those. Like, wow! This is like a, in this year, But at the end of the day, this is a, the Panthers are a mess.
They made John, and they made John Lynch look like a friggin' genius. This is a big move. This is a big move for the Niners. This is gonna probably, you know, gonna make him look like a Super Bowl team. This is like a trade, a trade compensation. Here's the, the, here's how it looks. They get the Panthers will get a second round pick, a third round pick, and a third round pick, and a fourth round pick for 2023. They got a 2024 fifth rounder as well. They get McCraff, they get McCraff, and Niners get McCaffrey. This is a you are turning this into a mess right now. But at the end of the day, the Panthers are the Panthers are a freaking mess. They get, but man, if they want to win here, I guess they got. I guess the Panthers are gonna be probably gonna be sucking for a while. Enjoy those pick. Enjoy those picks, man. They're probably late, one late rounder, late rounders. But that's saying a lot. That's saying a lot. I did home tour sport. I did home tour sports for years, and I rooted and I rooted for rooted for a team right there. I rooted for the Knicks. I rooted for the Knicks. I rooted for the Giants. I even talk about the Jets a while. I'll watch that too. But, that mean, this is a shocker right here. It's going to be letting up sports talk all day long. Of course, Brett Coleman on Twitter said, I love CMC, but that is the that is way too much to give up for him. Way, 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 way too much. I'm in agreement there. Pretty much, and uh, pretty much, they gave up a lot to get them. But hey, if they're thinking playoffs, so yeah. But if for the long term, for the Panthers, yeah, yeah, well, they're gonna be they're gonna be sucking for a while. Good luck with those picks. Want to kick things off right after this? So don't go away. You're listening to Home Turf Sports. Right here on the Home Turf Radio Network. I know, I get it. You're looking for the best shirts in town, something that associates with the area, or something like that. Let Mac of Amityville help you out. Of course, Mac is the home of the Mac T shirts, Long Island Toss T shirts, Island Tribe T shirts. And plenty of cool stuff, merchandise you can find. It's the best butt shop you ever find here, shop in Amityville. Well, check them out down on down on Route 110 and 10 next to the next to the Amityville Amityville train station. That's that's minutes from the Amityville train station. I mean, and don't forget to check them out and check them out today. Long you got Rucker Harlem has Rucker Lincoln Queens got Lincoln, but Long, but Long Island. As the Mac.
to me, as an Islander fan growing up, I remember watching the I remember watching the Islanders play their heart out hearts out every day every game. Even uh, even when I and you know this is why this franchise has been through heck and heck all those all those over the years. We're, they were experiencing playoffs except playoff success under Al Arbor, who guided this team to four Stanley Cups. I was born four years after they didn't won their last one, one. But fast forward to 1995, the NHL, the, of course, a couple of guys, a couple of investors thought. It would be a good idea to market to Islander fans in the east on the east end of Long Island, and by making it look like Gorton, it looked like a Gorton's fishing. It was the, it was called it, it was just like everybody. If you watched Big Shot, you're pretty much surprised. You're pretty much surprised at what is happening. I mean, I'm even I'm appalled by it. Growing up, even great year growing up, but after all, growing up, I spent two years. I spent two. I spent a few years with the original Islanders uniforms, but at the but when ninety five during ninety five to ninety eight, it was all that. It was efficient. Give me a give me a break, man. Islander fans, and of course, the Islanders announced and revealed. Yesterday, they they just read They made redesigned that uniform. That cut off uniform. Fans still want to puke. They remixed it for their reverse retro program for 2022-2023. And man, oh man, can you imagine? I I would say the the Facebook comments were like, "Holy mackerel." Even me, even me, even me. This, if you like that, how they looked like in nineteen eighties, they did it last year. It was late. It was like a few years ago. It was, and of course, Paul Lucas, and Lucas, who called, and even um, many other uniform enthusiasts, like, came up with that, and it said it was the laziest design for the reverse retro series. That right there. Tells you why they want to, even if it's not even popular, at least they try to make it look cool. And a lot of fans were like, oh man, of course. And then again, I would say what several, I want to read the following, and this is like, reportedly, somebody had a, had a, has a really sick sense of humor of why would anybody buy this jersey, embarrassing in a bleak period for the Isles. I mean, the, during that time, Ownership hot potato, an owner who didn't want to be in New York and wants to sell the team, sell the team to somebody, put the team up for sale. John Spano tried to buy it, but became a fraud. But was caught for fraud. Newsday, Newsday, Newsday really, really hammered him. News hammered the dude. Dad went back to pick it. He sold it to a couple guys that were not from Long Island. And then all of a sudden you got uh and then you sell it to Long Island owner businessman Charles Wong. 
and look what happened. It was a bleak period. It was a bleak period for the for us. Even for us as fans, because yeah, I mean, we even had Mike Milbury as our general manager and head coach. Yeah, it's part of our history. It's a part of our history. It's a part of our history here. It's part of our history. And if they want to bring it back, all power to them. Nobody's nobody's trying to buy him. Nobody, you know, they don't have to force them to buy him. Nobody's forcing them to buy him anyway. I mean, when I was going, we, I could hear, you can imagine the Isles fans at Madison Square Garden, winning for the Islanders. And every time you got the Rangers, the Flyers, the Devils, every team's chanting, We want fish sticks. And they drew frozen fish sticks on the ice. I mean, I mean, some of the seven fans who are still young probably don't get that. They've probably been around when orange and navy blue jersey was classic was still rebooted and made it they made that uniform look good that's the same that's the look the island that's not the same sweater the same sweater i got right now still worn it since two down i still worn it since 2004 it's a tra- it's a tradition for me to rock that uniform no matter what because i was an island fan And of course, granted, the team, of course, granted, it was a bit, it would have been a bit different, but then again, as an Islander fan, going up, it's still a stale reminder. They suck, I mean, here we go. They sucked for the first 10 years. But that that logo, we sucked for, yeah, absolutely. First ten years. I mean, well, maybe not. Maybe not unfurt. Maybe not, but few. But that team became a di- became a dynasty with the nineteen, with that original Islanders quest. Not only was the team bad with the Fishmen, I said Rangers fans, chanting fish picks made the jerk made it unbearable. I understand that. I wouldn't even burn it. I would just say it as a reminder of why the organization, why the organization is trying to embrace that part of that history. Yeah, I understand. Look, let's just let's just put it out there. They were putting embarrassing years under the current logo too. Bad mismanagement on the Garth Snow. Charles Wong moving the team to Brooklyn. We had really, we had really awful seasons under Charles Wong with the with the classic with the rebooted logo back in back in the night back when he came, took over in two thousand. I mean, I'll be proud of the witnesses and the scars. I mean, I've been through it. I put up with it. I mean, I mean, I grew up with this franchise. 
the young kid, there are younger kids, the younger generation may not have been around the island since 95. They probably have familiar memories of that trophy. Me, not so much. It was so painful to be embarrassed. I mean, even if it tried, even the marketing idea was good, but in all law, that shouldn't have been, that shouldn't have been touched. I mean, they even, even the Washington Capitals did a full-scale re redesign on their uniforms, too. Here back in 95 as well. And, they, and look, how that turned, look how that turned out. They got, they made it to a Stanley Cup Finals with the uniforms. Even it looked so good, even Alexander Ovechkin wore him during his first few years as a member of the Washington Capitals before they, too, went back to their roots with the red and blue and white, and they won a Stanley Cup in 2018. I mean, not everyone is old. Not everyone is old. If I were, and if we were, and if this organization looks back, if it wants to, why don't you try 1992? The 1992-93. The most embarrassing chapters. 50, for 50 years, 50 years of hockey history on Long Island. It is a part of our, it is a part of our history, no matter what, no matter what. I mean, fish sticks, hoist gate, the spaddle debacle, eliminated from the playoffs by Christmas, except the troll era, barrel, troll era, troll era, troll era, yeah, I guess, I guess most people are still like, Celebrating. I don't really care. I don't really care. The entirety. Let me say this here. Some you could say there's some great '94 to 2014. The embarrassing seasons in that span. I disagree. I disagree. Mismanagement under span, mismanagement under Snow and Charles Wong. Millberry, Millberry like, trading prospects like they were candy. Hey, John Spano, John Spano. Man, my God, man. And they, and they were, and they were so. And I guess Islander fans. I don't care if you are, I don't care if you're 10 to 50. Even I have to admit, even I have to admit, I've grown up with the Islanders. It's part of our history, no matter what people say. I mean, if you think about it, that was the that uniform that's redesigned by the Gang of Four. Was the straw that broke the camel's back for the fans of that Dynasty era Islanders? Never seen someone's success until three seasons ago. 
in this in this generation under new ownership. They're not gonna they're not gonna change they're not gonna change that logo. They're not gonna change that logo to the fisherman logo again. This is just for that for this season. Couple of games. You don't have to put up with them for this entire year. You don't have to put up with them for the entire year. This. I guess it was a bit. I guess it was a bit. The new, this new iteration of a jersey is a celebration how we are no longer a circus clown show, no longer a laughing stock, and we didn't have to relocate to Kansas City because that's what actually happened. If we were playing in Brooklyn, I would have been upset. I would have been embarrassed. It represented us. You know what? The, the original logo, the Islanders from 1972 to 1995, was a classic. But at the same time, I put up with poor, poor ownership, poor, miser miserable fan base, terrible seasons. Yeah, I guess you could say I lived through it. Let's just face it, that logo, that Fisherman logo, represents so much more than Long Islanders give it credit for. It represents the working class hero from the early days of Long Island. A time before commercialized fishing, fish, commercialized fishing, a time when the local fisherman was the breadwinner for that for every house. It's bad few years. I agree with that, bro. But at the end of the day, It probably rep represents the East End. I mean, we were hard work. I mean, we love to fish, and fishing is a way of life on Long Island. But at the end of the day, yeah, there's going to be different opinions. But me, I'm going to put up with it. Even if the logo still looks like Stan Fischler. Just saying, folks. Just saying. We'll be right back right after this. I know your shirts are bland. Your hats are bland. Your businesses are bland. Is bland so why not give it a facelift? With L.I. Tops. L.I. Tops is the is Long Island's home for custom shirts, custom vats, and of course, putting up putting up vinyl banners for you and all your stuff for for your businesses and whatever have you. Long Island Tops is home to some of the with some of the best guys in the business. So Worth to get this get to make sure your product stands out from the best. Don't forget to visit them. Don't forget to give it a chance. Well, L.I. Chops, if it ain't us, it ain't lit. That's L-I-T-O-P-E-Ops. 
we're on the topic of hockey right now, I mean, the NHL recently put out their put out their report on diversity and their diversity and inclusion report with the results of it. Of course, this is from the NHL official NHL's official website. Turns out, this is about as good as it is when it comes to bringing in people of color, bringing in women, getting women involved. And if we're lucky, it's pretty much going. It's pretty much going to help. Make, make this grow. I mean, Outkick came out with an article. We're not going to cover that bullsh BS. That's how it's going to be. That's my policy since day one. Even Breitbart had put out a very crappy column. And as of this moment, we're not going to read that crap right there. It's just... Coming, come on! It's just that they're not. These are not credible. Credible, and these little blowhards, these mega blowhards. I mean, give me a break! It becomes more and more infuriating for us. For us as fans, of course. Here's the NHL's column. It says here. The National Hockey League and its 32 teams today released their inaugural diversity and inclusion report, a comprehensive document that both details accelerated efforts by the league and its teams in recent years and includes a groundbreaking demographic study of the NHL workforce at both the league and club levels. Of course, this, the report is based on seven dimensions that the NHL is following to build diversity and inclusion at every point where a player, fan, or employee might interact with the game, taking important steps to lay the foundation for progress, according to its executive summary. The, 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 the dimensions encompass leadership, education, marketing, employment, partnerships, participation, and community engagement. This is... And if I hear... Like mega clowns going off about this. I mean, there's just clowns. To me, this is to me this is this is big. To me, of course, the of course during and of course NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman said during the past few years, the NHL and its two and its thirty two clubs have accelerated efforts to grow our sport particularly with un underrepresented audiences. The information in this report seeks to both detail the work we have done and establish metrics that will enable us to chart our progress. Transparency is essential so that we can hold ourselves accountable and for all stakeholders, including NHL players, partners, fans, and future fans, to understand the breadth and depth of our work to create a safer, more welcoming, more device, diverse game and business. I'll tell you one thing. That's real. That's really something. That is really something. Of course, some of the highlights of that includes the NHL's league office informed, formed an internal inclusion steering committee in 2019. 
His creation mirrors work at, at work at the team level, where 27 teams have established or are about to create organizational diversity and inclusional councils in, in working groups or adver, advisory boards. That's big. Of course, 22 teams have launched or are or are, or about to launch mentorship, fellowship, hiring programs to develop BIPLC, as in black, indigenous people of color, and female talent to work in hockey operations or front office roles. Senior Executive Vice President of Social Impact, Growth and Initiatives and Legislative, Legislative Affairs, Kim Davis, said, Intentionally, it's important. intentionality is important. The mentorship and development programs allow us to create a diverse pipeline and provide candidates within our ecosystem the exposure, the access, and the opportunity. Well, that's one thing. And of course, here's the, the NHL has seen some progress through recent hires. When Mike Greer became the league's first black general manager, when the San Jose Sharks hired him in July. That's, that's a really big step. Of course, Greer joined seven other black employees who hold six key C-suite positions throughout the NHL, including Florida Panthers Assistant General Manager Brett Peterson, Tampa Bay Lightning Chief Operating Officer Mark Fitz, Carolina Hurricanes General Counsel Nigel Wheeler, Pittsburgh Penguins Chief People Officer and General Counsel Tracy McCants-Lewis, Arizona Coyotes Executive Vice President Ticketing and Strategy Anthony Horton, Chicago Blackhawks General Counsel Marcus LeBeau, Florida Philadelphia Flyers Vice President of Government and External Affairs for Comcast Spectacor Joe Mead, Seattle Kraken Senior Vice President and General, General Counsel for Climate President the Juan to show me, and Kraken Vice President Strategy and Business Intelligence Kendall Boyd Tyson. Representation Council at all levels, Stephen said, said. If we're going to continue to grow the sport, we have people, we have to have people that are relatable to under to underrepresented audience that we're trying to attract at every level of the sport. Now, to me, that's big. You got to... We come a long way from the first hockey, first NHL hockey player in Willie O'Ree to the first black general manager in Mike, in Mike Greer. And of course, if you ask me, that is a step in the right direction. Oh, and it gets even better. LeBron James of the Los Angeles Lakers and the target of the MAGA Shock Jocks and the Phantom Menace of Sports is part owner of the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's part of that Group with the Fenway Sports Group with John Henry and of course Tom Werner even though Mario Lemieux too has his share to me this is something and we get to the good and, there, and there's more to that story six women have also been hired as assistant general managers since January Emil Castangue and Cami Granado and the Vancouver Canucks. If you haven't heard, if you haven't heard of the name Cami Granado, wiki that. She was a great hockey player for the U.S. Megan Hunter, New Blackhawks. Dr. Haley Wickenheiser with the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
decorated, decorated hockey player for Canada, Kate Madigan for the New Jersey Devils, and Alexandra Mandricki with the Kraken. That is a, that is very bad. That is, Lynch, that is very good when it comes to that. If you, I mean, that is, uh, but that's great something. The accelerated pace is an outgrowth of the NHL's commitment to commitments to combat racism in society and hockey and to make the sport more inclusive and welcoming. Following a series of high-profile events, including the murder of George Floyd, a black man who died while in custody of police in Minneapolis on May 25, 2020. Of course, in March, the NHL hired Jennifer Eklimi, Eklimi, as I guess it's hard to pronounce, but I'm getting it right now, as vice president for multicultural engagement and integration to accelerate culturally relevant marketing, marketing efforts and strengthen crossovers into off-ice touch points like music, fashion, and food. 25 teams have or will launch specific marketing campaigns aimed towards BIPOC and the LGBTQ plus community. Women and or people with disabilities like me, I have a, I have a disability, Asperger's syndrome, or have, a de- or have dedicated a specific portion of their marketing budgets toward future diver- diversity and inclusion pro- campaigns, the report said. In addition, 23 teams have or will enter new business partnerships and relationships with minority or women-owned businesses, representing a growth of 14 teams, 44% since November 2020. And to, sp- and to support league-wide youth hockey programs, the NHL, and the NHL Players Association's Industry Growth Fund has distributed more than $135 million in the United States and Canada and is taking steps to, re- to help retain and develop BIPLC and women hockey participants. Some of those funds were directed toward low-cost in- 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 introductory programs like Learn to Play in the United States and First Shift in Canada. The IGF made a three-year commitment in 2022 to support hockey equality, an initiative founded by Hockey Night in Canada analyst and retired NHL player Anthony Stewart to diversify youth hockey and lower barriers to inclusion at the grassroots level. Of course, the report also provides a statistical snapshot of the composition of the league's full-time workforce, which is 83.60% white, 4.17% Asian, 3.74 3.74 black, 3.71% Hispanic, and 0.50% indigenous. Nearly 62% of the NHL and the club employees are men. Almost 30% are women, and 1.34% listen themselves as other or prefer not to respond to the survey. Of course, there, of course, David said there are lots of there are a lot of areas that we need improve, to improve in. But you can't improve until you know where your baseline is. And this is the beginning of the work that is in front of us. The facts are here, and we can hold ourselves accountable and own the things that we need to do to evolve, help continue to evolve our culture and make our sport more welcoming into our sport. The report said the NHL's community engagement efforts to affect change within the sport and society. And of course, we are built, and of course, and of course, we are building. We are, of course, they are supporting. It says we are supporting and building new pathways for players to use their platforms to make positive social change 
This includes elevating the voices and experience of the BI PLC players, as well as highlighting allyship from white players as a crucial component of advancing DNI. We are also using the league's platform more intentionally, more intentionally to add momentum to key social key social movements. That that was the report. Though those efforts include the NHL's endorsements of the Freedom to Vote Act, which would protect free and fair elections in the United States and address barriers that disproportionately affect BIPLC and disabled voters. A roundtable with the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency to promote environmental action with special attention to the environmental justice and social and climate change disparate impacts in BIPLC areas and advocacy for the Willie O'Ree Congressional Gold Medal Act passed by the U.S. Congress and signed by President Joe Biden to honor O'Ree's trailblazing contributions to hockey and society as the NHL's first black player. Of course, the report also stresses that there is still more work to do. For example, the NHL and NHLPA are working toward revamping and relaunching the Hockey is for Everyone grassroots youth hockey network of 26 affiliated organizations that have served more than 130,000 children since 1998. The NHL and the NHLPA are looking to turn the network into a broader coalition of partners who use the sport as a force for empowerment and inclusion, resulting in positive change and social change in healthy, vibrant communities, of course, and the NHL's fan inclusion committee will work with the Sports Innovation Lab co-founded by Hockey Hall of Famer Angela Ruggiero to review and improve the in-arena experience and create a new fan code of conduct and to unite NHL fans and, and arena employees in preventing, reporting, and addressing any inappropriate behavior and or non-inclusive incidents. Davis said, I think transparency is an important hallmark of change in action and if we're being transparent in who we are and where we are, if we have made meaningful progress, but there's still a lot of work to do, a lot more work to do, and there's a lot of work on the way. That is, I think there. You know who's not th- very thrilled? I'm gonna say this: Goops and Goons Weasel, Ryan Kinnell. Take a listen to what he had to say about this. If someone from one of the major sports leagues, say NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, or even the NHL, were to walk up and say, you know what we need to do? We need to institute a policy to make sure that fewer people of this skin color are employed here. You might turn around and call that racist because it is racist. It's literally the definition of racism. But if you suggest that for white people, then that's perfectly acceptable in the woke sports world. So when the NHL came out and said, you know what, we just have way too many white people working here, not just in our staff, but also with our players and our coaches. We need to do everything we can to get fewer white people in the NHL. Most normal people would look at that statement and call it racist as fuck. But for the woke sports media, for the woke sports world, that's perfectly acceptable. And that's exactly what happened. NHL commits to increasing diversity, reduce share of white players and employees. And this was the statement made out there by AP Sports. The NHL's first internal demographic study found its workforce to be overwhelmingly white. What a shock. Uh, The vast majority of the fan base, the vast majority of the players in the NHL are predominantly white. Why would it be a surprise that most people that work in the NHL are predominantly white? 
Spoiler alert, it's not a secret. Everyone would expect that. But when you hire woke activists whose entire fucking job description is to destroy your company through identity politics, you shouldn't be surprised when these are the types of reactions that they have. Gates, the vice president of social impact growth and legislative affairs, says seeing the numbers is a first step towards fixing the problem. There's no fucking problem with that. In the same way that there's no problem with 70% of the players in the NFL being black. If I were to come out and say, you know what we need in football? Fewer black players. A lot of people would probably look at me sideways if I said something like that. Because it shouldn't matter. All that matters is the product that you put on the field. Or in the NHL's case, the ice. That is all that fucking matters. But these people are fucking delusional. It should be noted, this tweet has gotten ratioed to hell. Destroy. Because everybody dislikes this, especially NHL fans. The NHL released a diversity inclusion report on Monday, declaring its commitment to implement hiring practices related to racial demographics, gender identity, and sexual orientation. Yes, there's not enough trans people. Not enough trans people in the NHL. What a bunch of fucking pussies. We are working together to better understand and accelerate our engagement across all layers of diversity, including nationality, race, gender identity, sexual orientation, disability, and religion. Disability, what, you want people in fucking wheelchairs on the NHL ice, maybe? I don't know. Uh, and their nuances and intersections. Intersectionality, ladies and gentlemen. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman wrote in reports introduction. Bettman framed, oh my gosh. I didn't see this when I was skimming the article earlier. Bettman framed the murder of George Floyd as an impetus for reignited movements for social justice, which in turn led the NHL to ways of thinking and new internal competencies. Holy shit, dude. Uh, through street hockey, more children in more neighborhoods can access the benefit of the sport. Hey, guys, we want more black people playing NHL, so let's put it out in the street. Let's do it in the hood, guys. Street hockey. Very inclusive. A social and cultural movement for change is growing across the NHL. The first ever diversity report outlines a vision for the future of the game. All NHL office employees will be subjected to a two-day learning experience regarding the dynamics of bias, privilege, and power, according to a report. Structures and cultures must shift to create an inclusive environment for all. The report repeatedly deploys leftist terminology and acronyms, including LGBTQ+, Black, Indigenous, and People of Color, Allyship, and Pansexual, and uses the left-wing stylistic approach of capitalizing Black, but not White. Well, that's how it is, right? Uh, we gotta we gotta make up for the wrongs of the past. Isn't that right? In every fucking sport, every sport, every aspect of entertainment, every aspect of life is being destroyed by this woke bullshit right now. And we may as well listen to this dumb bitch talk. Um, it says that we are where we expected to be, but now we have the facts to back oh, it up. Um, I think the one area that we are... Um, are feeling positive about is that 38% of our workforce are women. Um, we've done a lot of work to improve in that area. Uh, and it's very consistent with our current female fan base of 40%. And so that's a great benchmark. Um, having said that, we know... So that should be good, right? You shouldn't need to do any more. You shouldn't need to get a 50%. Your fan base is 40%. That's pretty representative, right? That is never ever fucking enough for these lunatics. work to do with women of color and we're leaning into that. Um, I think the, the thing that you should take away...
from the workforce uh, study is that it is a progressive outlook on how you begin to manage your talent. And so basically, this tells us who we need to hire more of. We need to stop hiring white people. We need to start hiring black people and gay people and people in wheelchairs or whatever fucking disabilities they're talking about. That's that's the outcome. And there's a couple reactions here. Bobby Barak, there's nothing NHL can do to appease the woke mob. NFL's over 70% black, and the left calls it racist daily. The Guardian accuses the Mavericks of racism for having more white players than the average 16.9%. Only winning move is to not play the game to ignore these race hustlers. Saw this from N Wokeness. The NHL's 83% white. Average NHL salary, $3.5 million. The NBA is 73% black. Average NBA salary, $8.5 million. If the roles were reversed, there'd be 50,000 articles about closing the racial income gap in sports. It is so laughable. The things that these people try to pull out of their ass. This is ridiculous. I'm glad it's getting ratioed. How many comments are on this thing? 3,700 comments to 253 likes. Maybe, NHL, you should pay attention. Maybe you should realize that by these stupid diversity quotas and this, this progressive garbage that you push, you are alienating your current fan base in search of appeasing the woke mob who will never, ever tune into this absolutely ridiculous from the woke NHL. Let me know your thoughts in the comments below. Smash a like button. Subscribe to the channel. Ring the bell for notifications. Share this video out there. And I'll talk to you later. I kind of feel like this guy went off the rails with so much profanity. I forgot that I don't have a, you know, a, a, a censorship button. Of course, this episode is going to be some expletives in it. So kids, don't listen to this if you have if you have kids. Don't let them listen, because this Ryan Connell dude is so fucking so effing racist. I'm sorry about that too, because this dude's just so effing racist. He just acts like an, he's 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 just lost in reality, and this is why he is a fucking idiot. And that's what Ryan Connell is. That's what Ryan kind of is. He's like every time, every I mean, this dude is like a like a this dude's like a total jackass of himself. He makes it. This is, you know, this is the part where I could say on a Friday after Friday morning that this dude deserves to be a little bit hated. Nobody like nobody likes to nobody likes to do nobody even no everybody saw him as a piece of piece of garbage. I mean. I may not swear on I may not swear on most statements, but totally mackerel. This guy's so this guy's so so out of touch. He's like part of the wanted to be the good old boys club again. If you wanna if you wanna if you got if I I'll put up a a video where you and any tweet pointed out that hockey has a culture problem. It's guys like Ryan Kinel that is contributing to part of, contributing to it. Guys like, I mean, let's face it, man. Ryan Kinel is like a POS to everybody around him. Nobody likes him. Nobody likes him. Nobody cares about him. If you look at, if you look at, what are you can say? Oh, he's getting hammered on Twitter. He's getting hammered on him. 
I even said, I even said them. They're waking. I mean, are the kinds of idiots. These guys are the kind. This guy is the kind of people. There's some people that people could call well, the ignorant. He's so ignorant. I crucified him a lot. And Ryan Connell deserves everything about it. Geeks and gamer, even even Shona Ward got the piece from from Connell. The weird, like a frat, the so frat. This dude is so fragile, so 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 beta tough. He just can't let everything up. The average man was saying, "Oh, that's just a great idea. Maybe we should get more black." Well, maybe Willie O'Ree is coming to collect your phantom card. Let's review, shall we? First man, first ho black hockey player. Willie O'Ree, one of the all-time. I wish he. I wish. I wish. He, I wish he played longer too. He could. He would have been. A, he was because he was a trailblazer to this bits to the sport. I'm very. That is a. If you are a black person, you are very honored to be represented by the great Willie by the great Willie O'Ree. Secondly, the first woman to play in an NHL game. Manon Rion. With the Tampa Bay Lightning, there are plenty of mm, female referees in the world of hockey, and even and here's the thing: several hockey, several hockey, several assistant general managers in the NHL are women, including two former hockey players in in you get in Cammy Granado and Haley Wickenheiser, two de decorated women in this in this sport. The first black general manager is Mike Greer. First black, first black play-by-play -play -play man for the on radio happens to be happens to be working for the Kraken. Everett Fitzhugh. Ryan Kino is so full of it. He becomes is it becomes this becomes a cancer. I mean. He targets like it target repeatedly targets insults and abuses everybody. Not no matter if it's LeBron James or black or, or black athletes or people trying to make it better for black people to be to enjoy a sport. He become this dude's so can this dude is so cancer. This dude is cancer. That these guys are YouTube grifters. Other reason why sports YouTube is so cancerous, so negative. I don't even like. The, I don't even like it. It's called. They are the cancers, the boils on the ass of life, and they deserve to be called idiots. They deserve to be called out. Damon, Damon, Ryan Kino has been, Ryan Kino is a, is a total blowhard. And I'm glad, that, and I'm glad many people are calling this dude out. Ryan Kino, I mean, I'll say this up front. I'm happy with that report. Growing up in Long Island, because growing up on Long Island, growing up in a black family, we didn't go to Islanders. We didn't go to Islanders games. 
We watch him on television. I watch him on Channel 3 when it was Sports Sports Channel back in the 1990s. We'd watch Islander games. I remember the 1993 Stanley Cup playoff one that team had, only to lose to Montreal. I was there during the Mike Milbury era. I was there when they had that big Gordon's Fisherman logo and had those goofy low uniforms. I was there when Johnny. I was there when they, Josh Wong took over and made that team into made that team better. But it gotten but it but it and, it, and sometimes it got worse. I was there when John John Tavares came up. I was there. I was upset. I was upset when he left. I was happy for new ownership decided to take total control of that organization and turn this team into contender, a contender. Bringing in Lou Lamarillo, bringing in Lan- bringing in Barry Trotz. We got some play- and we got some playoff appearances. We were almost close to the Stanley Cup Finals twice. We were blocked thanks to the thanks to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now we got Lane Lambert, and we're trying and we're still doing good. The cancers of sports talk are always not going to be happy. And they crap the Zolans to crap people all over it. And to me, he's, he, Jack, my kind is so full of it. Automatic Jackass of the Week award winner, Ryan Connell. Because of BS like this. Automatic. Jackass of the week. Use it with vanity to make him look tough. Gonna wrap this up right after this. Now you can listen to Home Turn Sports on your on Google Podcasts. Check us out every weekday on our. Check out the link in our description to check out our new home for home. Just in case you don't even have Spotify nor Anchor, the Home Turn Sports Podcast every day on Anchor, Spotify, and now Google Podcast. Don't forget to check us out today. And he says 
the guys are going to do everything they can to support the front office. He said, R goes out to him. He knows where his buddies stand, and we're going to be, and we're going to be with him. Just letting him time of extreme difficulty, just being there for him and praying for him, and we hope that's what everybody wants. That tells you right there. Oh, But no family, no parent should have to bury their child. I buried my mother. I buried my aunts. I buried my uncle in 2015. I, I'm, I'm like, it's sad. It's the hardest thing you can live with. The hardest thing you can live with. And that's going to do it for this edition of Home Turf Sports. Please follow us on Twitter and Home Turf Radio. Follow us on Instagram and Home Turf Radio as well. Like us on Facebook, Home Turf Radio. We're on on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Back next week, new episode, and a whole lot better. In the meantime, Matthew and I saying so long. And remember, stay healthy, stay safe, be a decent human being, be a good human being. No. I'm going to go far than that. Be a great human being. Be someone that you can be proud of. And not be garbage like Ryan Kynel. So long, everybody. <laughs>